Welcome to C3 Church Tabra. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. I just want to say thank you to Pastor Phil. I got to meet your amazing senior leader and his wife, Julie. Early. Can we just give them a hand just one more time? Just bless you guys. Got to get to know Pastor Phil a little bit today, earlier, and uh, just love his heart. And um, I've been hanging out with Pastor Murray. Let's just welcome him one more time and bless him and honor him, being a father in this region. And uh, just want to say thanks to... Pastor Ollie for having me, and and Marty for that like pop interview. That was the first time I walked into a meeting and immediately was told, "Are you ready to be interviewed in like five minutes?" Kind of thing. And I'm like, "Is it for a job? Maybe." <laughs> and uh, but that was fun. And uh, it's just good to be here. It's so good to be in Australia, the great Southland of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm from the nation of Canada originally. I'm Canadian, so. It's good to be in another Commonwealth nation. Um, I'm married. My wife is from the nation of Texas. And it's funny. People from Texas actually believe that they should be their own nation. Like there's, there's confidence and pride in your own land. And then there's a whole other level, right? Where they're a state that actually believe they should be their own nation. Um, to the degree that I know guest speakers that travel to, one in particular that travels to Texas... Pastor Bill Johnson at my church, Bethel Church. And when he travels there, he said he brings his passport just in case something happens when he's there. But that's where my wife's from. And when you get a Canadian who marries a Texan, it's holy chaos. So we've been married now for uh, going on a year. We're pretty newly married. Um, How many of you are married? How many of you want to be married? We'll have an impartation service at the end tonight, <laughs> but uh, it's just really, really good to be here. Um, my wife, Anna, and I, she's actually uh, speaking another youth gathering uh, at Encounter Life. So she's there. We're multitasking tonight, uh, but Anna and I um, live in Redding, California. We're both graduates of Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in Redding, California. How many of you have heard of Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry? I told the group the other night, I'm like, try driving in your car. I drove, by the way, from the East Coast of Canada all the way to the West Coast of the United States to do school, and it was a five-day drive. (laughs) Stopping to sleep every night is five days there, five days back at the end of the year. I did that twice, both my first year, second year. But I told the group the other night, you know, try driving from Canada into the United States. Like, we have border patrol, like customs, where you have to go through and let them know what you're going to the nation for, and they can give you a hard time. Try driving from Canada into the United States telling them that you're going to school at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. They're like, is that like Hogwarts, like Harry Potter school? And I'm like, no, it's a little more like X-Men camp. (laughs) You know, these are my friends with their special gifts. This is my friend Heath. He raises the dead. You know, this is my friend Mike. He opens blind eyes on a regular basis. But... It's just kind of fun. Um, Bethel School of Ministry is a a greenhouse of revival. Uh, Really, Bethel Church has been experiencing a true, sustained move of God for like 14 years. 
true, authentic, full-blown revival where an entire city is starting to get transformed. I mean, just to give you an idea, right now, if you go into the shopping mall in Redding, California, it's a, it's a church of about 100,000 people, or a school, a city of about 100,000. I'm sorry, I'm a little bit tired. <laughs> the other night I was ministering, and this lady came forward for prayer, and, and she's like, hi, I'm Janelle. And I said, what's your name, Janelle? <laughs> so you know you're tired when, <laughs> but thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Holy Spirit of caffeine, it's all you need. All right. So... So it's a, it's a city of about 100,000 people and uh, a church of about 3,000, school of ministry about 2,000. And the whole city is starting to get so affected by this revival that if you go into the shopping mall and, and see someone on crutches and walk up to them and say, hey, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I, I can pray for people and see them healed, can I pray for you? The chances are they've already been approached by at least four other students that same day. I remember I went downtown one time and I saw someone on, you know, this guy walking, walking around with a walker. You know, he was obviously injured. And I just started to walk towards him. And he goes, I know you're from Bethel, right? And you want to pray for me. He's like, come on, let's do this. <laughs> because the whole city is starting to get touched by this revival. There are businesses in Reading that hire, you know, people that go to Bethel or, or Bethel students to come work in their business, in their place of work, in their Starbucks or whatever business it is. Not even always because they need more employees, but because they realize that when a spirit-filled believer comes and works in their workplace, the whole atmosphere starts to change, starts to feel better, it's more peaceful, it's more joyful, and their business actually prospers. So a whole city is starting to get transformed. I mean, there is, I don't think they still go to Bethel Church, but there's this group that got touched by the revival in Reading. And they believed so much that God can raise the dead that they formed a dead-raising team. And they have business cards. And they went into a hospital and said, we believe that God can raise the dead. And they've seen people raised from the dead. People that were clinically proven dead. And I'm not talking for days. We're not there yet. (laughs) But we're getting there. (laughs) But people who have actually been clinically proven dead under the power of the Holy Spirit and declaring life into that person, they came back alive. It's happened. And this dead-raising team has had it happen on a number of occasions. And there's, an, there's a hospital now that when someone dies, they call the dead-raising team. An actual secular hospital. Or the, you know, we, we had a Bethel team go to a hospital, go to a Nebraska, ministering some churches. And as an outreach, they went into the hospital to start to pray for the sick. They go in to pray for the sick. And there was such a grace release to see people healed that an entire hospital wing got completely emptied because everybody got healed and all the nurses went home that day. Let's just thank Jesus for that. I mean, it's crazy. About a year later, a Bethel team went to uh, Nebraska again to minister. And it's, what's crazy is this hospital didn't know that they were coming again. This Bethel team arrives the plan le- lands in, you know, in Nebraska, in this particular city. I think it was Omaha. Found out later that the manager of this hospital ward, or hospital wing, that, that experienced all these people getting healed when the Bethel team came in and prayed, suddenly, everyone in that wing just got really better this particular day. So well that again they sent them home. And the head nurse of that wing, who managed that wing, said this. They're like, this is crazy. She's like, it's almost like that team from Bethel's here again. She didn't even know they were there. 
And the, the day that they landed, people just started to get well. Because here's the deal. It's, it's not just people at Bethel, but every single one of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit and believe that God is good and he's in a good mood, will see this thing happen on a regular basis. So this, these are just some examples of things that are happening in my little city called Redding, California. But how many of you know that if it can happen in Redding, it can happen on the central coast of Australia? And I'm telling you, I really believe that this is a house, this is a community, this is a gathering of young people who have been praying, who have been believing, who have been faithful, who have been pressing in for a move of God because you guys aren't satisfied with just doing church. You want the real deal. And I'm telling you, there is a generation out there that wants the real thing. And like our pastor, Bill Johnson, says, we owe the world an encounter with God. Does that make sense? And... Uh, I just want to share um, a little bit of my own testimony. Uh, I got radically saved when I was 16 years old. I wasn't brought up in the church. Uh, I wasn't brought up in the church. I wasn't uh, a church guy. My dad left when I was two years old. Um, and by the time I was seven years old, all I can say is that there was just this conviction on my life that I just knew that I knew that I knew that there was a God in heaven and I needed to know how to get right with him. It was, only, it was just by God's grace. It was his sovereign hand upon me. But seven years old, unchurched, going to my mom in tears, saying, Mom, how can I know that when I die someday, I'm going to go to heaven and I'm not going to go to hell? Now, how many of you know that that's enough to freak out a single mom who, who doesn't even know Jesus? In tears, Mom, how can I know I'm going to heaven? And she would say what, you know, she, she knew to say to make me feel good. She'd be like, well, Chuck, it's only like bank robbers and murderers and people like that that don't go to heaven when they die. Like, you'll be okay. You're a good kid. And that satisfied me for a little while. But really, all through my childhood and all through my teenage years, I just knew. I had this inner conviction that God is real. I need to know how to get right with him. And I'm not going to be satisfied until I know how to have a relationship with him, the king of the universe. For me, it was simple logic. It was like, life on earth is this short, and then we have all eternity. Like, what the heck am I doing with my life? I was playing in a punk band, and I was, just, I was doing things that people shouldn't do. And, you know, not that punk music's bad, but the type I was playing was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I started to experiment with, with drugs and alcohol and and, and stuff like that a little bit. But even that, I couldn't enjoy it. It's like I would go out and sin, and in a really short period of time, I would be so convicted. In fact, I remember the one time I experimented with drugs, the first time I went out, and, and I really didn't go down that road a, a, a lot, thank you, Jesus. But the one time when I went out and did it, even though I didn't know Jesus yet, there was such a conviction on my life that I knew I shouldn't do it, but I went and I did it anyway. And within like, within like 20 minutes, I was repenting in my living room, and making my friend repent too, who just got high with me. <laughs> so, you know, mix the paranoia that drugs does to you with the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I'm like, dude, this is wrong. We need to ask God to forgive us right now. He's like, okay. And he's like praying with me as well. But, but so that's, that's the type of like teenage life that I had. I was like, God's hand was just on my life. Fast forward, January 1994. I went to my next door neighbor's house and I said, and I, and I, said, I need to talk to your pastor on the phone. I had visited, in my journey looking for the Lord, I had visited their church uh, with them. And, and I said, I need to talk to your pastor on the phone. So they, they tried to get a hold of their pastor. They didn't get a hold of their pastor, but they got a hold of their youth pastor. 
His name's John, and I got on the phone with him. I'm like, hello, John, my name's Chuck. I'm 16 years old. I've done this, 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 and this. I'm just trying to figure out how to get to heaven. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. It was literally like a what must I do to be saved, you know? It was an evangelist dream come true, Phil. He was, it was like, what do I have to do to know that I'm going to heaven? So he just began to unpack the gospel. He just began to take me through scripture and explain to me, like, look, you can't earn this thing, but Jesus Christ, God's son, died on the cross for your sins. That if you'll just believe in your heart that God rose Jesus from the dead, and, and if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and, and you believe that he's the son of God, you'll be saved. It's a free gift. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is free? He's like, it's absolutely free. You just need to believe it, receive it, and ask him to come into your life. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And that night, I confessed Jesus as Lord. And I'm like, this is what I've been looking for my whole life. And, and, and that night, in January 1994, I got born again. I got totally transformed. I went home that night feeling like I was floating off the ground. <laughs> and I started to tell my mom, I started to share the gospel with my family, share the gospel with my friends at school. Now, January 1994 is the same month that there was a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit in, Tor- in, in Toronto, Canada, known as the Toronto Blessing, a revival that quickly touched the whole world. And my pastor flew our whole leadership team there. They got absolutely rocked by the Holy Spirit. They come back and they begin to share with us at church. In fact, I remember the Saturday night at youth group before the first Sunday morning when my pastor came home, my youth leader said, Chuck, I encourage you to sit as close to the front tomorrow morning as possible because something amazing is going to happen. And I had this expectancy. So we go to church and, and I go there and, and the pastor begins to share that, uh, begins to interview some people you know, on the leadership team that went to Toronto, got touched by God, and got absolutely blasted in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he began to share how some of them got prayer and just a simple prayer of, of somebody putting their hand on their head and saying, come Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just crashed into their life. Sometimes the Holy Spirit was so powerful and so strong that they couldn't stand up. They would fall on the ground while waves of the Father's love just began to wash over them. And in a moment, people were getting set free from what years of counseling couldn't fix. I'm telling you, one moment in the presence of God can change anything. So I was one of the ones that went forward for prayer. And I'm like, Jesus, I want everything that you have for me. So I went up for prayer. I stood on the prayer line. I did what the pastor said. He said, lift your hands and think about Jesus. So I lifted my hands out, started to think about Jesus. And then sure enough, you know, the person that was praying for people started to come down the line. And it's like there was such an anointing on them that I didn't even have to look. You could feel them coming, you know. It's like my knees started to get weak. And then they came and they're like, come Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about somebody pushing me over, you know. I'm not talking about somebody helping the Holy Spirit, (laughs) Nor were people like doing the courtesy falls, you know, (laughs) where it's like, I'm going to make the evangelist feel good, so I'm going to fall down. No, God's power came so strong that it's like you couldn't stand in his presence. And his, and I remember going down under the power of God while waves of the father's love just began to pour over me. And, and in, a, in an instant, I was healed. And I remember during, the, during those times, one of the things that happened is this prophetic lady in our church came over to me and saw me laying on the floor. She said this. She said, Chuck, you can never... And by the way, she didn't know my past. She said, Chuck, you can never again say that you don't have a father because God's your father. And he says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And the father just began to teach, speak to me and say, 
good do- or g- well done, good and faithful servant. You are my good son. You're my boy. I'm so proud of you. I love you so much. And in a moment, the father just really imparted an identity as a son. And the father said, Chuck, there's nothing you can do to make me love you more. There's nothing you can do to make me love you less. I love you just because I'm your son. And the scripture that really stood out to me during that time was Romans chapter 8, verse 15. And it said, and Paul's writing the church in Rome, and he says this to the believers. He said, you, you have not received a spirit of bondage again to fear. And by the way, although I was saved, I still had this fear in my heart that if my dad left when I was two years old, what if I do something to mess up my relationship with my heavenly father? What if I don't pray enough? Or what if I make a mistake so bad that he bails too? You know what I'm saying? And the Lord said, Chuck, you haven't received a bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Now that word Abba is a word of of just intimacy towards the Father. It's like you and I calling our Father Daddy. It's like a son or a daughter running up to their dad and saying, Daddy, Daddy, and just knowing that he's not just their father by default, he's he's their daddy who really, really loves them. And God just began to solidify in my heart, Chuck, I love you with an everlasting love. And there's nothing you can do to to make me love you less. There's nothing you can do to make me love you more. And I'm telling you, it is that being solidified in our identity as sons and daughters that I believe equips us to change the world. And, you know, I share stories about Reading and what's happening in Reading with bodies being healed and, and, uh, you know the dead being raised and people getting saved and communities being transformed. But really, if God can do it in Reading, he can do it here. And, and tonight, what, what I want to share quickly is I want to share three keys for living revival as a lifestyle. Because here's the deal. We can talk about, you know, experiencing a season of revival, Right? We can talk about a season of revival where there was a, there was a period of time where, uh, you know, God's spirit was poured out and we had great meetings and it's like, we had a revival, right? We read about revivals in the past. We're like, yeah, that was amazing when that revival happened. Well, how many of you know that revival is never meant to be an event? It's meant to be a lifestyle. And we're getting to the point where we realize that, you know, we don't just pray for revival to happen. But we actually believe, as we're, as we're filled with the Spirit of God, we are a revival. And therefore, everywhere we go, revival just happens. And that's, and that's the way that God is renewing the, minds and the, renewing the minds of young people today, young and old, all over the world. There's something about believing that God is good and He's in a good mood and He wants His kingdom to flow through me everywhere I go. That we start to understand, I don't just pray that revival happens. I believe I am revival. And everywhere I go, I, I bring an open heaven. I love, I love in Psalms, it says, lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the king of glory might come in. Now, when's the last time you saw a gate with a head on it? He's talking about you and I. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, you're a really good looking gate. Okay, so check this out. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, you everlasting doors, that the king of glory might come in. He's talking about you and I. 
So when we lift up our heads with a confident expectation that God is good, and therefore good things are going to happen through my life, I'm telling you, we become the very gates, the very doorways of the kingdom of God for heaven to flow through our lives and for heaven to touch earth. This is really, really true. I mean, we were, we were ministering in a few churches, my wife and I, just over the, the past couple days, and we were just, actually, just last night, we were, in, we were uh, at a young adult gathering at Encounter Life, and I, and I shared a word of knowledge for healing. And I said, I really believe that there's some people here that God wants to heal. I said, there's somebody here with a bad wrist. God wants to heal you right now. Sure enough, the sound guy had injured his wrist like four years ago, developed carpal tunnel, had pain every day. I said, if that's you, stand where you are. He's in the sound booth. He stands. I said, there's more people. You have pain in your knees. God wants to heal that. Stand where you are. They stood. I said, God's healing backs right now. If that's you, stand. They stood. We just, and then I said, I'm not going to be the one that prays for them and lays hands on them. Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you can do the same works that I do. Because the day of the one-man show is over. Where it's not just Pastor Phil and Murray and Ollie and these ones and myself that do the work of the ministry. But our job is to equip the saints, you guys, to release the kingdom everywhere you go. So I said, you guys are going to pray for them and see them healed. So some of the young people there last night laid hands on the sound guy. I said, just command him to be healed. They commanded him to be healed. Instantly, all the pain left his rest. He's completely healed to this day. Let's just thank Jesus for that. People's knees got healed. People's backs got healed. Guy came up to me later. He's a rugby player. He said he jacked up his knees playing rugby. He's been pain, in pain every day for I don't know how long. God just took all the pain out of his knees just like that. We were, uh, we were just in um, Naura, ministering at Church of Christ in Naura. And that lady that I told you about that came up and said, Hi, my name's Janelle. And I said, What's your name, Janelle? <laughs> she, she began to explain that she, she uh, had surgery. Um, she had to have like sp- her spine fused and... She was in pain every day. And she, not only that, but she had constant chronic headaches every single day. She said, can you pray for me? I'm like, absolutely. I just began to release the kingdom of God over her. And then I said, test it. How do you feel? She starts to get really excited. She said, my headache's completely gone right now. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Not only that, but all pain left her neck. All pain left her back. The pastor told me she went home that night dancing. And to this day, she's completely pain free. Let's just thank Jesus for that. But see, this thing's easier than we think. And we can release the kingdom everywhere we go. Uh, You know, healing's easier than we think. I mean, I was tired. I said, Janelle, what's your name? (laughs) See, we need to take our eyes off of ourselves and put them on Jesus. Here's one of the things that we need to get over. Let's get over being worried about how much faith we have. Because here's the deal. Sometimes we get so hung up on how much faith we have that we think our faith is what determines what's going to happen. But God's bigger than our faith. Right? I've prayed for people when I was just tired, grumpy, wanted to go home and go to bed, and they get healed. Why? Because God loves people. See, I don't see people healed because I have great faith. I see people healed because I have faith in a great God. So rather than looking at how much faith we have, let's just look at the person of Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So he has enough faith for you. Does that make sense? And uh, we can do this everywhere we go. It's easier than we think. I, was, I led a team uh, 
a team of Bethel students to Anna and I did. This is before we were even married. We led, we led a trip together while we were just friends. By the way, if you want to get married, just co-lead a mission trip with somebody. And uh, so we lead this trip to Eastern Europe. I'm like, this girl's anointed and beautiful, <laughs> right? So we, we, lead, we lead a trip to Eastern Europe, and we're in Bosnia. I took half the team to Bosnia. She had half the team in Croatia, and some of it, we were both in Croatia. And uh, is someone here from Bosnia or Croatia? Croatia, come on. Well, you'll like this. Yeah, we were in, uh, we were, we were in um, Zagreb, Croatia. Where are you from? That's amazing. We love Croatia. They have great gelato and great coffee. All right. So, so we're in Croatia, and uh, while we're in Croatia, we're seeing God move. And then I take half the team into Bosnia and see Pete, the, the, the girl that was hosting us, who's one of the leaders in the church in Bosnia, wanted to warn us. And she had good intentions. But she just began to tell us, hey, just so you know, like, it's really hard in Bosnia. She's like, just so you know, I don't know how receptive the people are going to be, and they're hard to minister to, and it's the culture. And See, people have well intentions by saying this, but how many of you know that if you believe it's hard ground for the gospel, you're going to experience that it's hard ground for the gospel? It's, it's our belief system. But if we believe that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes... And that the Holy Spirit is bigger than what might be hard ground. And we actually believe the gospel works. The Holy Spirit is going to back us up with power. Everywhere we go becomes an open heaven. See, the, open, the closed heaven isn't necessarily over nations. The closed heaven is between our ears. It's how we think. Okay? But if we can have our, re- our minds renewed to the truth that God is really good and he's in a good mood. And he wants to release his presence everywhere we go because he loves people. We become open heavens. Does that make sense? So we're in, uh, we're in Bosnia and we're ministering in the market. And, and this girl's like, you know, just so you know, it's hard here. And people might not be very receptive. And I'm just, I was polite. I was like, thanks. But I just believe that the Holy Spirit is bigger than that. And we went into the market and we just began to like go. It's this outdoor market. And we just began to go to the business owners of these markets where people are just everywhere. And I'm like, hey, man, we're from California. This is all through a translator. We're like, how are you guys doing? And, and um and I'm like, hey, we're just here from California. We've come to bless your nation. Can we pray a blessing over your business? They're like, yeah, totally. I mean, they're spiritual people. They're going to let you pray. So we're like, awesome. So and we'll be like, hey, is it, is it okay if I just put my hand on your shoulder while I pray for you? They're like, totally. So we just start to pray blessing over them. We start to pray blessing over their business. Lord, just bless them. Just bless their family. I know that you love them. Pour your love on them today. And then we would just start to get words of knowledge for them. Every single one of us can flow in words of knowledge. And, and I'd be like, hey, does your back hurt by any chance? One of the business owners, he's like, yeah, it does. I'm like, can we pray that God just takes that away? He's like, totally. So we pray for him, release the Holy Spirit into him. It's just a simple prayer. Like not, not like, oh, God, if it's your will. By the way, let's never pray, God, if it's your will, heal them. Because he already showed us 2,000 years ago that Jesus healed every single person that came to him. You know, some people have this whacked out theology that it's God's will that they're sick. I think God just gave me the sickness to teach me perseverance. And I'm like, really? You think it's God's will that you're sick? They're like, yeah, I just think it's what God has for me. I'm like, well, you better stop going to the doctor then because every time you go to the doctor, you're going against God's will. (laughs) So (laughs) Jesus healed every single person who came to him. And Jesus Christ is perfect theology. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. 
So we just say, we're, we're praying for this guy's back. I'm like, how's it feel? He's like, that feels good. I'm like, that's amazing. God loves you. He just healed you. And we just went from like store to store, releasing the kingdom into these people that worked at the businesses, leading them into an encounter with God just by stepping out in faith. And so we're just going and we're seeing people healed. And, you know, some people gave their life to Jesus. And, and then we came to this one store where this, this lady said that she had pain in her arm. And we're like, hey, can we pray for you? God's healing around here. God's into healing today and every day. And, and she's like, yeah, you can, but I don't want you to do it right here in front of my business. But I have another, like, canopy tent thing over there. There's a back room there. We'll, we'll go in there and you can pray for me. And we're like, all right, let's do it. So a few of us went in with her. She sits on this stool. She's like, all right. She's like, let's see if this works. She was kind of skeptical, right? But again, God's bigger than people's lack of faith. I've seen people healed when they don't want to be healed. I know one guy, he's a pastor in Texas, who went out in the streets praying for people, and he saw this guy limping. He's like, dude, what's wrong with your leg? He's like, well, I just had this, it got jacked up. And he's like, can I pray for you? Because God will heal you right now. He's like, he's like, nah, man. He's like, I don't want you to pray for me. He's like, what, I can't just pray a simple prayer that you get healed? He's like, nah, man, I don't, I don't believe in that stuff. He's like, what, I can't just be like, in Jesus' name, be healed? <laughs> he just starts doing that to the guy. The guy noticed that all the pain leaves his leg. And he's like, what the heck did you just do to my leg? If God can do that through someone that doesn't even want to get prayer, how much more can he move through you and I? So, so we just, uh, we go into this tent with this girl and we start to pray for her. And she actually, she said this, this is kind of awkward. She goes, if, if this healing works, you can have one of my daughters as your wife. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, this is free. <laughs> so I'm like, this is free. So we begin to pray for her. We just start to release the kingdom over her. And we just start to go, kingdom of God come, all pain go in Jesus' name. And, and we just start to go test it out. How's it feel? She's like, and she's kind of surprised. She's like, it feels good. We're like, that's amazing. Jesus loves you. And she starts to have an encounter with, with God's love. Now, when one person has an encounter of God, it's interesting how quick they become an evangelist. She started to tell her friends that worked in the other businesses that God was healing at her tent. And next thing we know, we had a line at this tent for people that wanted prayer for healing. And we had this healing room in the marketplace in Bosnia as God just began to pour out his spirit. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And this girl said it was hard ground for the gospel. No, I'm like, no, actually, I don't receive that. I receive that this is easy ground for the gospel because the gospel works everywhere. It's an open heaven. So... In fact, let's just declare right now, the Central Coast is an open heaven. Wow. People in the Central Coast want to know Jesus. And you and I owe them an encounter with God. So, so we, we're ministering in this market. Amazing things were happening. and So we're on our way back. We're on our way back to, uh, to have pizza after this outreach. And as we're walking past, back to like, meet with some of the other guys and have some pizza... We walk past this group of young adults, these girls, 20-somethings, and they're handing out these brochures for some type of business that they had, right? And uh, as we're walking by, they saw us walking, they heard us talking, and they're like, oh, can we get a picture with the Americans kind of thing? So we're like, sure, you can get your picture with us. And I didn't tell them I was Canadian because I wanted to get in the picture, right? So, so we go there, and uh, so we go there, and, and as we get their picture and stuff, and then we're, we're like, start to say goodbye, and then, I, and then through the translator, I'm like, wait, ask if any of them have pain in their body. And uh, so the translator goes, do any of you have pain in your body? And the one girl started to d- describe that she had pain at the top of her leg, kind of where it met, like her groin, like her hip area. She did something to it. There was pain there. 
And I'm like, tell her to come over here for a minute. So she's like, okay. She didn't even know we were Christians. She's like, she's like, okay. So she just, at this point, they were probably standing like from that monitor to that speaker to where we are here. I'm like, tell her to come over here for a minute. So she starts to walk over to us. As soon as she stands beside us, her eyes get really, really big. And she said that all the pain just instantly left her body. We didn't even pray for her. Isn't that awesome? Because we are an open heaven. And it's just by believing that God is really, really good and he's in a good mood. Um, so I just want to share really quickly three ingredients to live revival as a lifestyle if you're taking notes. And the first key that I want to share is having this conviction that God is really, really good. It's really important. As sons and daughters of the king of the universe, it's really important that you and I believe that God is good and he's in a good mood because his wrath was satisfied when Jesus died on the cross. Um, and here's the deal. When we actually start to believe that God is good and he doesn't just love us, but he really, really likes us, we start to like ourselves. You know, it's important that you and I like who we are. You know, in Matthew chapter 12, one of the religious leaders, you don't have to turn there, one of the religi religious leaders comes up to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, you've been saying things that sound really wise. Now I have a question for you. Of all the commandments, which is the greatest one? Jesus looks at him and he goes, well, the greatest one is this. Hear, O, hear, o Israel, the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all of your strength. It's the number one greatest commandment. And then he said, and the second one is this. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, we hear that and we're like, okay, I need to love people. I need to love my neighbor as I love myself. But see, Jesus first said, you need to, you need to love yourself first. He said, love your neighbor as you love yourself because we can't properly love people out there until we actually like who we are. You know, that's a really big deal. And one of the things that happens when we encounter the heart of God is we actually start, because he imparts an identity to us as sons and daughters, we actually start to like who we are. This is a really big deal. We start to like ourselves because we believe that he really liked us. Um, I love God because, I mean, we can learn a lot about his nature by looking at his creation, right? Like, Pastor Murray took us to this uh, photo. Who's the, the photographer? Ken Duncan, this amazing photographer who's filled with the Spirit of God. He has these incredible uh, photo uh, photos of pictures of nature from all over the world. But we can learn so much about God's nature by looking at his creation. And one of the things you'll notice about creation is nothing in creation is exactly like anything else. Ever notice that? Not one tree is like another tree. You won't find one mountain that looks exactly like another mountain. It's the whole planet is full, ram-packed with this thing called diversity. And every single one of us, of course, is incredibly different, right? You won't find two people exactly the same. Not even two identical twins. <laughs> Although at first glance, you might know it, they're incredibly different. And we learn a lot about God's nature by looking at his creation. And every single one of us is different. Everything in nature is different. The Father God absolutely delights in diversity. And because of that, check this out. 
He has made each and every single one of you so unique, fashioned so uniquely, so intimately designed by him, that when you worship him, you touch a part of his heart that nobody else on the planet can touch. Isn't that amazing? We are made so unique that when we worship him and tell him how much we love him, we, we touch a piece of his heart and bring delight to his heart in a way that nobody else on earth can do it. That's how valuable you are to him. He doesn't just love you. He really likes you. He likes the way that he made you. I love Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, when God called the prophet Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, before I even formed you in your mom's womb, I knew you. And that word knew is an intimate knowledge. I knew every single detail about your life before I even formed you in your mom's womb. And that goes for every single one of us. Before I even formed you in your mom's womb, I knew every single thing about you and I appointed you a prophet to the nations of the earth. Now, before God revealed Jeremiah's assignment, he told him his identity. And every single one of us, before we can be launched, and I'm telling you, this is a room full of world changers. This is a room that's going to go out and lay hands on the sick and see them healed. I know it. After tonight, a lot of you are already doing it, but after tonight, God's going to light such a fire in your heart and in your spirit that you're going to leave, and I believe this week you're going to see miracles on the street. I believe you're going to go into your schools and just lay hands on the sick, prophesy over people, share the gospel, and just... Let that raw power of God flow through your life to lead people so much to an encounter with God. Some of you are going to go on to be preachers, to be teachers, to be business owners, people that bring the kingdom of God and transform your realm of influence. But before we can fulfill our assignment, we need to know our identity. And we need to know that God really likes us. So God, God doesn't just love us. He really, really likes us. And not only that, but each and every one of us is made so unique and designed so Uh, intimately by him that when we excel at being who we are we display his glory upon the earth in a way that nobody else can display his glory so what does that mean like god's breaking off comparison god's breaking off this thing where we look at other people and say oh if only i was as good looking as that person then i'd be happy Or if I was as gifted at music as that individual, then I would feel fulfilled. You know, if I was as smart as that individual, then I could do something for God. No, you can actually display his glory in a way that nobody else on the earth can. So you need to be free to be you. You need to say, God, what is it that I'm good at? Hone in on that thing. Enjoy that thing. Get good at that thing and use it to display his glory. So we need to be free to be ourselves. Let's break off comparison. Let's be us. When we're comfortable in our own skin and we're free to be us, we believe God likes us, we like ourselves. we start to display his glory everywhere we go. But see, that starts by believing that God is good. He's for you and he's not against you. He's not mad at you. I have the word of the Lord for you tonight. God's not mad at you. He's not disappointed in you. Your sin didn't surprise him. Before you were even formed in your mom's womb, he knew everything about you. He delighted in you. And he's absolutely crazy about you. So this is a big deal. We need to understand God's good. When we start to understand that God's good, good things are going to happen around us on a regular basis. I have a friend uh, who's, who now lives in Germany, and when he was at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, he was meditating on this whole idea of the goodness of God, and, and he's like, he went to bed one night, and he's like, God, I believe that you are so good that even when I go to sleep tonight, you're going to be doing something behind the scenes. You're going to be doing something to bless me. 
you're, that God, God, you're always awake. Even when, I, when, I'm, when I'm sleeping, you're doing things in my favor to bless me. And he's meditating on this truth. And he goes to bed praying it. God, I believe that even as I sleep tonight, you're going to do something amazing for me. And he was meditating on Ephesians 3, verse 19 through 21, where it says, To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think, to him be glory in the church for all generations through Christ Jesus. Say exceedingly abundantly. So he goes to bed praying this prayer, and he's like, God, I believe that even as I sleep tonight, you're going to be doing something amazing for me. So he goes to bed, falls asleep, wakes up the next morning to a phone call. And you know what it's like when someone wakes you up out of bed and you slept in like later than you probably should have and you make it sound like you've been awake. <laughs> you know, that's like, well, he tried that. It didn't work. <laughs> and uh, by the way, I want to name my bed the word of God. That way when people call me and, and they're like, hey, man, what are you doing? I can be like, oh, it's just in the word. <laughs> they're like, man, you're always in the word. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So they wake him up, and he, uh, they wake him up. They're like, hello, is this, is this Daniel Vogler? And uh, they're like, yeah. And uh, they're like, well, this is, this is Apple Computers calling. Now, just to give you a little of a background, Daniel is this incredible digital artist. He does incredible prophetic art, like, on his computer. And, I mean, he's, he's so gifted. Like, he has this app on his iPhone during worship. He'll just, like, do this prophetic art of this angelic encounter with his finger and then, like, post it online. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is incredible. Extremely gifted young man. He has an online business, uh, online ministry. So the phone rings. They said, hello, this is Apple Computers calling. And we want you to know that somebody called anonymously. They don't want you to know who it is. But they said that they want to buy you some new software and hardware for your, for your computer, for your business and your ministry. And they said there's no limit to how much you can get. You can get as much as you want. True story. And he was like, what do you do with that, right? Exceedingly abundantly. <laughs> so he got like $3,000 worth of new software. I'm like, dude, you should have got like ten. And... So, but there's something about attaching faith to the goodness of God that we can go to bed at night saying, God, I believe even as I'm sleeping, you're doing something for my good. What would happen if every single morning when we woke up, we say, God, I believe that you love me and like me so much and you are so good that something amazing is going to happen today. It's really important that we understand his goodness. A prophet visited Bethel Church a number of years ago, and they give a prophetic word to our leadership that in a lot of ways set this revival in the direction that it's been. And they said this. They said, I feel like God is saying that you have absolute permission to exaggerate his goodness. Because we can't exaggerate his goodness. We can distort it. We can twist it. But we can't exaggerate it. In Exodus chapter 33, you don't have to turn there, but... God's leading Moses. Moses is, like, Moses is like, God, you told me to lead your people, but you haven't told me who, who will go with me. And Moses said, God, if you don't go with us, don't even send us. I don't even want to go. And then God said, Moses, I will go with you. My presence will go with you, and I'll give you rest. By the way, God, God is just waking up the church to say, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, I don't even want to do this thing. We can have all the bells and whistles and good songs and everything. But if we don't have his manifest presence in our midst, it's like, I just want to go home. So he said, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, 
then that I don't even want to go. God says, my presence will go with you. I'll give you rest. And then Moses said, all right, God, I have one more request. Show me your glory. Right? What does God do? He goes, all right, I'm going to do what you said, Moses. I'm going to put you in this cleft in the rock, this hole in the side of the mountain. I'm going to put you, there's a hole in the rock, and I'm going to put you in the rock. By the way, how many of you know that you and I are in the rock? We are in Christ. He said, I'm going to put you in the rock, and then I'm going to cause all of my goodness to pass over you. So, wait a minute. Moses said, God, show me your glory. What was God's response? I'm going to cause all of my goodness to sweep over you. God's glory is equal to his goodness. And when we have our minds renewed to the truth that he's really good, he's in a good mood, he doesn't just love me, he really, really likes me, good things are going to happen through me everywhere I go, I'm telling you, we will see the glory of God invade whole communities. It's believing that he's good. And uh, so that's number one. Number two, if we want to create this, revi- this culture of revival, revival is a lifestyle, we need to understand the power of the testimony. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, you can turn there and, and I'll go really quick. Deuteronomy 6, it says this. Again, uh, Moses is leading God's people. And uh, he's really, what Moses is doing, he's doing what I'm talking about tonight. He's creating a culture among God's people. God's creating a lifestyle among his people. So that things would go well with them. Blessing would follow them. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Check this out. God's instructing Moses. And he said this. You should, verse, verse 6. <clears throat> Actually skip down to verse 10 for time's sake. It says this. God's instructing Moses as he's leading God's people. And he said, so it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you didn't build, houses full of good things which you did not fill, hone out wells which you didn't dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Verse 13. I should skip down to verse 17. You shall diligently keep the commandments of your God, his testimonies, and his statutes, which he commanded you. Here's the deal. God wants to pour out his spirit among you guys. He wants you guys to go out there and, and move in signs, wonders, and miracles. But he doesn't want it to just be this short event or this. He doesn't want you to just get hot for God for a season. He wants you to create such a lifestyle that you burn for the rest of your life and you pass on that same anointing to the next generation. And Moses is saying there's three things that we need to remember as God's people. There's three things we need to keep. We need to keep his, his commandments. We need to keep his statutes. We need to keep his testimony. Now, commandments are obvious, right? It's the things that God says do or don't do. It's not because he's on a power trip. It's not because he wants to feel powerful. God's very secure in his godness. Every time he gives us a command to do or not do something, it's always for our own good because he loves us that it might go well with us. By the way, whenever God says no to you about something, it's only because he's saying a bigger yes to something better. He's come that you might have life and life more abundantly. He's not trying to rip you off or give you a boring life. He wants to give you the most exciting, adventurous, fulfilled life you can imagine. And it's in the culture of his commandments. 
said, I want you to remember the commandments, and then I want you to remember my statutes. The statutes of God are like the commandments, but a little bit different. Statutes are like the principle behind the commandment. It's kind of like, honor your father and mother that you might live long in the land that the Lord your God's giving you, right? It's like, why do I do this? Because when I do this, this happens, okay? And he said, there's a third thing I want you to remember, and it's the testimony. Now, the testimony are the very acts and the acts of the power of God. And I'm telling you, if you want longevity in, 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 your, in your revival lifestyle, if you want longevity in your passion for Jesus, because I don't know about you, I want to, I at the end of my life, I want to be more in love with Jesus than I've ever been. God isn't looking for people that are just going to burn hot for a while. He wants people that will fall more and more in love with Jesus. And at the end of their life, they can, like Paul, Paul said, I've, I have run my race, I have fought the good fight, and now there awaits for me a crown of life. I want to finish my life more in love with Jesus than I've ever been. Setting more other people on fire for Jesus than I've ever been. And a key to longevity is the power of the testimony. What's the testimony? It's talking about the amazing things that God is doing in our midst. And here's the thing. What we focus on is what we're going to see more of. And if you guys are just only, if we're always focusing on the negative things that are happening and the things that it seems like God isn't doing, and the things that the devil's doing, if that's what our primary focus is on, then that's what we're going to see more of. What we focus on, we see more of. But if our primary focus is the amazing things that God is doing through us, I like to tell people, if you want to start seeing people healed of cancer when you pray for them, start getting really excited and thankful when you see a headache healed. Because what we steward and celebrate, we see increase in our midst. And it's the power of the testimony. So, you know, our pastor Bill Johnson, I mean, and, and everyone at Bethel Church, I mean, by the way, Bethel, I mean, that's just my home. I know God's doing amazing things all over the world. I'm talking about Bethel because it's the, it's the place that I know the most. But one of the things that is fueling this revival that's touching the earth is the power of the testimony. And like staff meetings, the staff sit in there, and before they talk about any business, they just talk about, for about an hour, they share stories of the amazing things that God's doing all over the world. Because it gives glory to God. And the word testimony in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, actually means to do it again. That means when we share a testimony, we, sh- we share with someone else a good thing that God did for you. Your breakthrough acts as a prophetic word and becomes everyone else's breakthrough. So, this thing's a really huge deal. So when we come together, what would happen if every time we came together, whether it's coffee with a friend, a home group, youth group, you just begin to tell each other, man, what's God doing in your life lately? You start to create a culture of sharing the good things that God's doing all over the world. And, and the third thing that I want to share, and I already touched on this, and I'll close with this. As people of God, we need to be a people that aren't afraid that as we're filled with the revelation of His goodness as we fuel the move of God with the power of the testimony, the third thing that we need to do to create this longevity, this lifestyle revival, is we need to have a boldness to release the kingdom everywhere we go. And it starts with risk. It starts by you go to school and you see a friend who, you know, looks depressed. You take a risk and you walk up to them and be like, hey man, I noticed that you've been down lately. Is it okay if I just pray for you? You just start to befriend them. It means when you, you're, you might be in your classroom and, and someone's not feeling well. You might feel terrified. 
But I'm telling you, courage isn't the absence of fear. It's just not allowing fear to stop you. You might feel fear, but it's what you do with the fear. You're going to let it stop you, or you're going to step over the chicken line and just step out anyway and allow God to meet you. I led a youth group for about nine years before I went to Bethel Church. And our young people just started to get radical. They just started to go out into the community and go into their high schools. I'm talking just months old in the Lord. This one guy named Bobby, he just a few months old in the Lord. Just raw faith in the goodness of God. Walked into McDonald's, to, not because he was working that day, but to pick up his schedule for the rest of the week. One of his friends was supposed to be working behind the counter. And he's like, hey, pretend his name's Chris. He's like, where's Chris? He's supposed to be working today. He's like, oh, he's in the back room. He has a headache. He has a migraine headache. So he's just back there chilling out. He's like, really? They're like, yeah. So Bobby bolts for the back room. Finds Chris, who doesn't even know Jesus. And he's like, dude, what's wrong? He's like, God, this migraine headache. Bobby's, Bobby's like, let me pray for you, man. God will take that away right now. He's like, nah, dude, that's okay. Bobby's like, yeah, come on, man. Let me pray for you. He's like, dude, that's, that's fine. And then Bobby said this. He's like, let me pray for you, and I guarantee it'll disappear. He goes, all right, man, go for it. Praise. Instantly gone. And then Bobby goes into his high school. And the guy that got healed is in the hallway going, if anybody needs healing, come to this guy. Because he prayed for me at McDonald's and got completely healed. Another girl in our youth group goes into her classroom and one of, the, one of the girls in her classroom gets sick and has to go to the bathroom and she's in there a long time and... So Katie, girl in my youth group, says to her teacher, she's like, she's like, and the other girl's name is Katie too, ironically. She's like, Mr. So-and-so, Katie went to the restroom because she's not feeling well. She's been there a long time. Can I go check on her? He's like, go for it. Katie goes in. Katie Lockery, who had just recently given her life to Jesus, sort of going to my youth group, is in there. She's, you know, she's puking. She's not feeling good. She has this flu or something. And, and the other girl, Katie, goes, oh, let me, Katie, want me to pray for you? She's like, please do. So Katie just begins to pray. All sickness go. I just release the healing fire of the Holy Spirit over you right now. In Jesus' name. Instantly, this thing lifts off. Then, they go back to their classroom. Now, this is boldness. And, and Katie, the one that prayed, said, Mr. So-and-so, for the whole classroom. She's like, yeah. She's like, Katie came back. She's feeling better. He's like, that's, that's great. She, do you know why she's feeling better? I prayed for her in the bathroom, and that thing just completely lifted off instantly healed so and the teacher's just like okay whatever (laughs) just then other students in the classroom started going i have a headache right now can god heal that katie goes absolutely we hope you enjoyed listening to this message for more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgrat.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.